0: Hey everybody, David here, just an advisor at the top. Uh, I think on balance, the conversation the three of us have about this movie is relatively tame, but Spring Breakers itself is savagely unsafe for work. If you are in any way uncomfortable with gratuitous displays of teenage misconduct, don't watch this movie. Otherwise, we highly recommend it and hope you enjoy the discussion.
1: Notice
2: me. I looked at the lyrics, that fucking song is pointless. Oh, it's retarded. It is borderline gibberish
1: by an angel if there ever was one. Oh uh-huh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Spring break is not an invitation to do drugs or commit crimes. Thank you. Spring break. Spring break. Spring break.
1: Spring break. Spring break. Spring break. Spring break.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast. We may as well uh introduce this. Although the intro kind of already does. It says the name of the thing and what we're talking about. But I'll say it anyway. Uh, This is David Paddock once again. To my left, there is no one. To no (laughs) one's left, Nicole Paddock once again. Howdy. And to her left, Ryan Riley. Back at it. We are here to discuss the one and only Spring Break. Spring Breakers. Spring Spring Break. Spring Break. By written and directed by Harmony Corrine, mm-hmm. Um, who is probably famous for some other movies, or infamous possibly for some other movies. Possibly, he is
1: like the uh, he's like Werner Herzog's less prolific redneck stepchild, and that is a compliment.
2: With a with dash of Robert Altman.
1: Yes. With yes. The dash of Robert Altman. Yes. What and, uh, dash?
2: What is the dash? The the mixing of uh, of dialogue over. Scenes or, or images that don't link up, and it's kind of like you know this inter inter, inter suppose,
1: interlacing interlacing. Yeah, thank
2: you. Yes, interlacing the ideas of of dialogue as a, as a storytelling element while matching up to, uh, images and uh, parts of the film. Like almost, it's not necessarily a montage overall, but it does kind of connect this idea that uh, the language which you hear is not spoken by uh, a, per, a character on screen, and the two are, o- are are put over on top of each other and it creates a kind of disjointed effect in general, uh, but it is also one of the more interesting ways in which you can kind of develop a feel for a film also. And Robert Altman
0: kind of pioneered this back in the, uh, in the 70s. So there is some degree of pedigree to the nonsense that goes on in this movie.
1: Okay, Harmony Corinne I mean, this is by far his most commercial film, I feel like <laughs>
0: That is true. That is very true, okay It was the first to go wide release.
1: Yes, yes this is his by far his most commercial film. It does sort of have a story, which is, I guess, positive That is,
0: that is impressive. Are you suggesting that his other movies have less story?
1: They don't need to, because his other his other movies okay, he has the most accurate depiction of living with a schizophrenic ever in a fine movie called Julian Donkey Boy there's not much more story in that one either, but it 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 manages to uh, to really encapsulate the feeling of being schizophrenic. Is um, it
0: just a day in the life story? No. Then what no. what what does happen? What transpires?
1: Um, okay. His other films. See, this is why I say this one's more commercial because this one is completely fabricated. It has a script. It has characters that are made up. His other movies blur the lines between documentary and actual filmmaking um, so Julian Donkey boy is basically kind of like a it's it's not a day in the life as it is I guess it's just like a, a vignette about a family that has a lot of psychological problems one of one of which
2: That's being our first, a first first actual garbage podcast spill woo! Yeah.
1: You know, one of which being uh, that the son is schizophrenic, and basically everyone just kind of like knows that he's nuts, but doesn't know what's wrong with him. And it 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 portrays it in an accurate light, as opposed to something Hollywoodized like A Beautiful Mind, which really doesn't reflect the reality of schizophrenia in yeah. any way, Being shape, insane or form.
0: looks really cool. Yeah, in exactly. A beautiful mind. Now,
1: see, Harmony's stuff is way grittier than that. It doesn't look cool. It's actually pretty disgusting. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, that that is and, certainly reflected in Spring Breakers.
1: Yes, and 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 Spring Breakers tries to reflect that, but in a more commercial, you know, Instagram filtered sense.
0: Yeah, but, uh, I it's good that you mentioned Instagram because this movie looks like it was filmed on Instagram. There's uh, there's a lot of people talk about the timelessness of certain movies. This movie feels like it will stop making sense. Within the next two years,
1: I I picked up on that immediately. Actually, it you know 2012. That movie is a Spring Breakers is is very I think quintessential to that moment in time. Even the way it opens with the Spring Breakers, it's got that X track that was the shit that year. Yeah. You know, it, it pumps all of the really hardcore pop notions of 2012, and it probably. Will not translate
0: it, in years to come. It's right. a goddamn moment in time. All right. It I, is. I disagree. <laughs> spring break forever, y'all. I mean, come <laughs> on.
2: <laughs> the element of this film, the idea that it will be spring break forever, that will live eternally because ultimately, okay. But
1: but, it, but this is this is this is like a slice of a tw- of a of a 2012 spring break. I, spring break will always stay. <laughs> But it'll transform over the years. This is this is like spring break at its 2012 height.
2: Okay. Um, well, first, I think when we talk about Corinne, we need to really get across the idea that the difference between story and plot, and I think that this is, you know, in, in terms of plot, there isn't much to these films, nor in, in most of Harmony Corinne's films. The they're, mostly,
1: they're mostly character well, driven it, to an extent, but not that he's writing the characters and that he is filming characters.
2: Well, it's it's true, too, because we've all I think most people who are would be listening to this have, get, have been manipulated by the Michael Mooreization, the, televi- <laughs> the televisation of what documentaries are, which is which are to do things like, you know, make an argument, make a point, make a have a purpose. Um, but then there's the idea of just a, a slice of life, a, a caricature in a very real sense of it is to show. What it, life would be like in a specific area, and one of the most famous ones of these would be like Vernon, Florida. A guy yes. named Errol Morris, where he just, you know, interviews people in a town in Vernon, Florida, and it is not in te- it is it is to give you the feel of this small town in rural Florida. And there's nothing there's no more there's no other other point to it than to kind of, you know, show this world in which people live in which people live, not in which people act for our purposes <laughs> to demonstrate a point. And that's it. Once again, a plot usually has, you know, themes, sub-themes. Um, it's got a narrative structure. It's got antagonist, protagonist. It's got a
1: beginning, middle, end. Yeah.
2: And it, and in that sense, it's it's mechanical. It's it's very uh, a staged. It's very pl- uh, set together. And if the idea of, of a story or storyteller, right, you can have different elements of how someone would, would tell a story. And Harmony Corinne has this very disjointed you know, uh, um, expressionistic kind of way in which he wants to tell films, which, once again, aren't a specific scene. And this is, I think we have to kind of also distinct distinct here as well, which is we get into the purpose or what this film is about. We have to get the difference between the idea of like a historical painting, right, which has characters, cast, setting, purpose, context, all these things expressed through a, a very relatable scene. But then the idea that, you know, another component of art, which is the idea of having feeling, which was that, you know, if you wanted to see a story painting about betrayal and it would make you feel the sense of betrayal, could you relay that same feeling without the kind of constraints of having to construct a narrative to demonstrate betrayal, right? Could you make someone feel betrayal without setting up the story of a betrayal or setting up a plot of betrayal? And that, I think, are two different things. And Harmony corrin wants you to feel his movies more than he wants you to, like, experience them as a kind of, you know, narrative story with an overall, uh, with an overall point he's trying to communicate. And I think that Spring Breakers has this kind of, you know, element within it, and it is a very well-done movie. Now, just for a quick note also, the film itself, the way it's shot, I mean, the look of this thing, I mean, I, I, I compared it to Candy yesterday, right? But I compared it to Old Candy, which is that the movie's very sweet, but there's something wrong with it, right? I mean, it's like Old Candy.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: This, this film... Like social media. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this film, you know, I mean, it is... I thought it was very good-looking. It,
1: it was. It was It was very well Lit even if the lighting was a little bit over the top, and I feel like they were trying to go for that Instagram filter feel, but it was
0: executed very well. It's fluorescent and washed out, yes.
1: And that's you know, if you watch other stuff that's like floor has like that Florida Mm -hmm. feel, especially in Miami, you get a lot of that the neon lights, the different colors. You know, it's it it was it was lit incredibly well.
2: Well, there's been this kind of you know, the like JJ Abrams you know he kind of has this like these like very it's a it's like saturated lens yes. right it's very, the, the 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 frame is very saturated with light and um drive by Nicholas finding reference I not seen that one um a lot of his films have this kind of this light saturation within them and this one too has its has its own saturation level as well and you know I do think that the 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 idea that it is en- encapsulated within a time does this have a point i mean is this Let's see. We get to what this thing is about overall. I mean, is this thing about something? Well, and if so,
0: what is it about? I have a quote that I can pull. That Excellent. I'll, I'll, Nicole, okay. I'll okay. let you get to. It. But this was from this was from a prominent interview. I think I have the uh, uh, Mark Olson, who is a critic for the LA Times, gave this his number one spot for <laughs> best movies of 2013, and he quoted an interview from Corinne. In my mind, I'd been trying to develop this style for a while, this idea of motion and liquid narrative. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make a film that had very little dialogue, that was more sensory, more of an experience that you felt. I almost wanted it to be an attack of sounds and images. Mm -hmm. In some ways, it's meant to be a pop poem or something, unquote. I'll
1: buy it as a pop poem. I feel like it's kind of like a pop fantasy. and Well, I don't want to go off too tangentially here, but one of the things I like about the movie is it's a Florida movie. Spring Breakers, Alien, that is a Florida fucking character. If you don't believe me, you don't know who Stitches is. It doesn't matter that Stitches came later. Anyways, um... So there is, there is a fun Florida aspect to this, and it is a pop fantasy. Here's why it's a fantasy and not kind of like just a pop reality. In real life, there are these girls that grow up in small towns that want to get out, and they'll do anything to do it, and they're, you know, ridiculous. They don't get to Florida by way of violence. They get there through, am- through amateur porn. They basically answer <laughs> Craigslist ads. A guy like Alien flies them down to Florida, picks them up, and is now their porn agent for about three months until their gag reflex gets uh, blown out. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the traditional story here about how these girls get down to Florida. This is more of a pop fantasy because it's embraced through ultraviolence. So it does make it a little more fun. And obviously, you know, the girls that rode it out in the end got to drive home in a Lamborghini as opposed to taking the long bus ride home after three months of amateur porn and everyone knows what they've been doing for the last three months. Party's Naturally. over. Yeah. So it's definitely, it definitely has a nice pop feel and I definitely feel like it's a bit of a fatalistic pop fantasy. Well,
2: I think t- also the idea that it, it has this element of pop in it as well. So I watched this on Amazon Prime. Are we allowed to say this on the air? I mean, like name brands. Uh-
0: all censored if necessary. All right, so we watched this on Amazon. It's not, so
2: did I. All right, cool, yeah. So I watched it on Amazon Prime, and, uh, you know, when, when they have, like, the suggested movies, people who yeah. watch this also watched, it was nothing but, like, streaming
0: porn, like the, yeah. the softcore porn that's on Amazon. Yeah, Amazon's recommendations kind of missed the point on this one, I but think. But that's what
1: I mean, but they, but they don't miss the point, because that's actually the real story here. Harmony just suspended our disbelief and made a fantasy out of it, which, you know, makes it a little bit funner to enjoy. Yeah, I mean,
2: you get... Because I guess these these are people. I guess Vanessa Hudgens or whatever her name is, Selena Gomez, these are, like, people that other people know about.
1: These are... I, I know Selena Gomez is definitely a real actress. Uh, the one girl, the one with the pink hair is Corinne's wife. Um, and then I don't know who the other two girls are, but I'm not real up on, on my, uh, you know current pop
2: broads well, in film. Well, I wanted to kind of, I mean, the, uh, the, uh, if we can get into this idea of sexuality that's in the film too, I mean, this is a kind of, you know, young girls in bikinis through the whole thing and they are, you know, the the, uh, the camera expressly kind of focuses on these elements as well. You know, when we have Corinne doing this kind of, you know, non-diegetic, you know, uh, uh, montages of people partying at spring break, you know, there's nudity, there's gratuitousness within this. and then. I mean, there's obviously a gratuitous choice that these girls are going to be in bikinis the whole movie. Like, there's they're just in bikinis. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You know, it's their they're, uniform. That's actually...
1: Yeah. And I, I thought about that. That's a fun Florida aspect, too. Because when you live somewhere, like, up north and you come to Florida all for the first time, the fact that you can do everything in a bathing suit is really liberating. Gotcha, okay. I went The first time I went to the Keys... I wore a bathing suit for a week straight. There was literally no reason to wear clothes. And that was a very, like, liberating feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all a part... That's, like, all part of this, like, why people come here to find themselves. Because there's a lot of ways to liberate yourself. But the party does have to end at some point. Yeah, but,
2: like, like you've stripped down a part... Like, you've stripped yourself down to a certain extent. Because there's this idea... I mean, there's this thing about identity... About you know wanting to know who you are, you know wanting to be someone else. Like these people that, you know, we live in our college. They're bored because they see the same thing. They've and
1: been think, they, they reference that they've been friends since kindergarten. So I'm yeah. assuming they've lived in the same small town their whole lives.
0: Yeah. Well, and then, which yeah. is never named.
1: Yes. Yeah. They
0: don't even mention no, whether it's, it's, it's any town. That's it's, That's what I
1: mean. These girls. If
0: there's are, a church and a college. They're good. Yeah, hey, I know where
1: they.
2: You know where they came from. Not Florida. That's yeah, where they fucking came exactly. from, baby. These
1: are, these are, like, Actually, even that
2: exist. might not be
0: true. What's that? That may not even necessarily be true. Well, there are a lot of places in Florida that are not Florida. I yes. Mean. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, yeah. Like, they may even be in the state. They're just not in the right part of the state. Yeah. And
1: they've been in wherever they are for a long time and really feel that urge to leave. Like but, uh, that's
2: but, but that also, too, that, like, they, despite that, they don't, they almost seem like they don't know each other or are surprised what each other are capable of. In the inspiration of going to this idea of Florida, I mean, they, there's a dissension. In, I mean, there's four of them, and by the end, we're down to two. Spoiler yes. Alert. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But uh, you know, by the you end, you should of, have
1: seen this movie by yeah, now. it's yeah. 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 like What's three years, years people? old. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> but the, by the end of it, I mean, they're both shocked at as well. I mean, in the sense that they don't know each other, but they also don't know um, they they don't know themselves either. And that's a kind of weird, I think, interesting aspect too, because this idea of identity also <laughs> rolls through this as well. And it's also not under under underplay the fact. That there is this odd racial mix in the movie, also, which is that there is this, you know, the the aspect of relationship between races, and when they're in their uh, when they're back at home in the college at the beginning of the film, they're sitting in a lecture, and the lecture is about race relations. Yes. Yeah, and that's. Yes. I think he he kind of has this slow element that kind of develops uh, in the film also, and i just can, I've just been kind of trying to rationalize, like, you know, okay, we have this movie. It doesn't have an essential narrative, but it has a story. The idea that it is relaying this kind of liquid feel to the thing, and what is this feel? Well, I think we've identified one aspect, which is that it, the feel of it is sexuality. Yes, if there is this, this sexuality. The idea that there is going to that we're going to see some kind of um, sexual you
1: know, vi- like relief, like liberation,
2: almost kind well, of absolutely. But the film doesn't ever kind of. Obs- uh, embrace the idea of showing any kind of graphic sex at all. It's all intimate, it's all hinted at or, in, you know, Yeah, I, kinda, I kind
1: of, I was a little taken aback on my second watch by that. I feel like they could have delved into the sexuality a little bit more. Even, Even the dynamic between the two more sociopathic girls and James Franco, mm-hmm. you know, one of the comments Lou made when I was watching it with him was like, God, I hope he gets laid after all this. I mean, he bails these <laughs> girls out. They're like shoving guns in his mouth like strongly implied. Yeah, I you know, like we're like okay, well at least he finally got. But that was There's the, a shower scene. I mean, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but all the sex was implied except at the very beginning when the girls are in that thing and, and she's holding like the big dick pic pretending she's blowing it. Yeah, like, yeah. they were yeah. like that's my whole goal. Like I want to go to spring break and get fucking dick. Well, but and then, that's
0: deliberately cheeky. Yeah. And and this is this is where the social media side of that sort of sticks back in is that all of of the scenes, the entire movie, and the with the way the monologues, or the way the monologues just feel like an internal monologue. They feel like what's going on in your head. Yeah. All the movie is shot in such a way that it is designed to be vinable, or twitterable or fit. Because, I mean, it's slightly untoward, and people tell you not to <laughs> flash your tits on yeah. social media. But plenty of people do. Virtually no one posts actual sex. They say yes. that for a different venue. Yeah. This is all stuff that you can post yes. somewhere. And this yes. is where the image of spring break, spring break, spring break forever yes. comes back over and over again. Because that's just the tagline. Okay, well, That's just the tagline to these a million little moments of the same bullshit the whole time. Well, okay. So what does... What does spring break
2: represent in this movie? I mean, is what is what is it that these people are going and trying to achieve or trying to find at spring break?
1: Well, it's it, one one aspect's definitely escape because they're using it as an es- escape from their current situation. Okay. Like that's kind of their initial impetus. Like they have to get out of this town. Like spring break—that's what we well,
0: we've got to go to. Well, it is, isn't quite the initial because the start of the movie is two minutes. Of just continuous girls gone wild quality, porn on a beach. Yes, like yes. Like that's that's how it opens. They don't introduce anyone. They don't like it's just candid photography. It's just yep. candid cinematography, and then it switches to the boring life. I mean, maybe the the idea was potentially to make it look like by comparison their life is boring. But it's not like they were trying to just get away from where they were. They had a goal. Yeah, the goal was deliberate. Okay what that goal is. That's that's what I want That's what, yeah. what is What is it? So escapism,
2: but escapism to what or for what purpose? Is there... Let's just get this fucking
1: money and go on spring break, y'all.
2: Fuck yeah. Let's fucking do it. Is there a sense that they're finding themselves? Are they finding identity? They is, do bring, is freedom they, itself the they
1: goal? Do
0: bring, spring break. They, they, do bring up,
1: they do bring up the finding themselves thing a lot. Okay. Even like when the part... She's like, oh, we're finding ourselves and everything is so...
2: And
0: that's always so portrayed right. so schlockily. It is. It's, it's like it's fake. Yes. Okay. Yes. So
1: that's
2: that's the that's the goal. That's that's the that's the non-goal. That's not the objective,
0: right? I mean, of what they're going after. It's the thing that they put. It's the thing that they put when they need a veneer to put over it. When they need to use more than five words to describe what they're doing, though, that's what they talk about. They talk about finding Do themselves. They, that's what they talk about with their mom. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. She's like, oh yeah, we're discovering. Like it, there's, and I don't. I think the movie is genuinely about them discovering themselves, but but they they kind of act like this is this is where they're going to All right, find so, but, themselves. But what is
2: the lie we're telling ourselves when we say we're trying to find ourselves? I mean, what is? I, I don't mean, think they're lying to themselves. Okay, so they they, they aren't. This is this is a I a think genuine that's a, tr- I think that's a deliberate not, ruse.
1: Well, and here's the thing: I I don't. No, I haven't interacted with a lot of spring break culture people. <laughs> I mean, and
0: I have also, neither have I. Yeah. Okay. okay. The worst people we're we're really bad. we're and the o- perfect people. To and discuss. the other thing is,
1: I don't know how groups of girls react because I've never had female friends. So I don't know if I'm. I'm assuming there are little gaggles of girls that just sit and pet each other and tell each other that they're beautiful and everything's okay all the time. I. I can't verify that, though. I've never actually been I know plenty of gay it.
0: guys that do the same thing, okay. and I understand that that analog is really shitty and reductive, <laughs> but, you know, it's Probably. what I got to go on. Also, Corinne makes the same apology to himself. Uh, another quote. I grew up in Nashville, but I was a skater, so I was skateboarding during spring break. Yeah. Everyone I knew would go to Daytona Beach and the Redneck Riviera and just fucking get drunk, you know, as a rite of passage. I never went. I guess this is my way of going So
1: maybe that's a right maybe rite of passage is kind Well but of... I,
0: I just wanted to bring that up because yeah. it shows the lens that he's using. He's not necessarily revealing a reality himself because he has nothing to draw on himself. It's his impression yeah. of what it's supposed to be right. from other people's stories, and that
1: definitely makes sense. And that's how we're all looking at it too, because none of us were spring breakers. Yeah. Yeah. No, this
2: is but this is Western capitalism's romp I guess. Right? <laughs> like, this is what we're seeing here, like this idea that anything is any, anything's possible. Um, Anything is possible. You can be who you are or who you truly are there. You can strip <laughs> down all of the niceties, all of the veneers, all the expectations of where you come from. Or you
1: can be who you never even thought you'd be because, you know, at the end of the day, you can believe and nobody will even fucking know. But that's the, but that's the thing. I mean,
2: Bullet holes <laughs> aside. Yeah, no. That, okay. But no, the violence then comes into point because these people, would these people have been violent if it weren't for spring break?
1: Well, okay. They kind of insinuate that the two of them, the two that stayed with Franco the longest, there, there is the insinuation that they're kind of psychopathic because uh, Selena Gomez, the religious... And I, I don't remember her name in the movie. Faith. Which, okay, it, she is that, was, it is there that. There was like Faith, Cotty, and the other two. Candy. And the two murderers. Yeah. So, you know, Faith, when she's at the church... Her friends are, you know, the girls at the church are like, oh, man, you you know, you shouldn't be going off with those girls. They're bad news. And she's like, oh, no, I've known them since I was five. It's all cool. You know, so there is that that there is that kind of the assumption that those two girls may resort to just about anything to get what they want. And everyone else around them can see that, you know, the other two girls were kind of just along for the ride until it got too real.
2: So there's. So. (laughs) Obviously, the idea that spring break for spring break for spring break forever uh, is not for everyone.
1: No. Nope. Okay, but a, it's but, not really for anyone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <well>. <laughs> uh,
2: but if spring break forever was for anyone. It was for Alien, and I'd like to transition now into my favorite part of the movie, oh, yeah. yes. which is which is James Franco's. Best best role, role ever. Oh, it's amazing
0: without question. As a James Franco hater, oh very I good. absolutely abhor this man. Mm-hmm. He has the shit-eating grin that I always imagine that people like him have. This is his perfect. Yeah, th- this is his opus. It. It's impossible for him to beat. Oh, this. Oh
1: yes, and it is. He is. He is the representation of Spring Break forever. Yes, and
0: and he is and Nicole. You had mentioned as opposed to poem, pop, fantasy, he is an idiot. Who just happened to get everything he wants.
1: But the thing is because he's an idiot, his his needs are very They're ridiculous. No, well, yeah, but they're they're you know, they're very like pinpointable. I mean he's like yeah. got money and guns. And but that's that's
0: all I got that guy Starface wants I on Starface on repeat. repeat. Yeah. Like yes. look at my is... shit. Look at my shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like pointing at his bed or uh, uh, Yes. Uh f- Look at
2: my shit. I got, I got guns. I got nunchucks. I got nunchucks. I got, got Tanner. I, I got bronze.
1: I got shorts tanner, in every, every color. color.
0: He's got a car with dollar sign rims.
1: And it's a Camaro. A Camaro <laughs> yeah. It's a Camaro, folks.
0: <laughs> it's so good. His license plate is baller, which they show five times. Yeah. They just zoom in on the license plate. Because so, he, he would. Because yeah. if he was taking a snapshot of his life, I mean, that is definitely the background of his Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Is his fucking license And I, plate. Like,
1: I like how he's 90% like two-bit criminal and 10% rapper.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a sensitive side. Oh, he's man. He's got that sense. He yes. says the word he's, one time in the whole movie. He's got the piano <laughs> outside.
2: <laughs> yes. yes, yes. The white piano outside <laughs> yes. that he plays. Okay, so I think Alien, you know, has this... You know, has this entrance into the the real world? The idea that once again, spring break is a break. Breaks aren't supposed to be permanent. Aren't supposed to but be. But he
1: lives in it. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. And but not only that, but he, he is also in. yeah. But he is also ex- the exploiter. He lives off of spring break. Yes. And yes. this too is where you get this idea that there is this once again this dynamic between uh, who the the people who go where it's temporary, and then the people who feed off of what spring break is to these other yes. people. And in that sense too you know he just bring- Right. He brings them into and shows them into a world that they wouldn't have never otherwise have seen and they discover things about themselves that, or they discover aspects about the world that they perhaps weren't even aware of. And this is where Selena go- Gomez's departure point. Nothing inherently bad happens to her. She goes to a black pool parlor and she freaks out because she can't handle the you know the situation that she's in and it's never
0: it's sheer discomfort.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's implied that anything negative happened. I mean, we could go on about that, but I don't think that's necessary. No, I don't think no they, so.
0: they they he deliberately there's one scene and they don't dwell on it. It's one second long and it's in a montage while she's talking about how uncomfortable she is to Alien wanting to go home is there was a guy, you know, a tatted-up guy, who says just relax and touches her. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, as far as I can tell, that's the only explicated instance of her being aggressed upon in the entire thing, but that's enough for her.
2: But that's not what she wants to live in, too. I mean, because once again, there's, there's a bubble that Spring Break is about. I mean, there's a bubble about it. And... You know, there are no ugly people, right? There, I mean, there's no, I mean, Spring Break is... Until that scene. But yeah, but Spring Break, yeah, exactly. Spring Break is a bubble unto itself. And there is a particular notion, and Harmony Corrine as well, right? He wasn't part of that bubble, right? He wasn't part of this world, the Spring Break world. Yeah. And, I, you know, once again, why are we able to talk about it? Because we weren't about it either, right? Someone would be able to talk to us we about We can this. relate to the writer. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So <laughs> yes. this is where we kind of see this thing is that, you know, there is a there is a world in which Spring Break applies, and there was a world in which spring break does not apply to other people. And this kind of di- this is an important aspect of it as well, which is that there is this, you know, this otherworldness. this I mean, alien. All right. It is, it is. Yes, it is. It is. The movie is as brutal as it is in its simplicity, which is that there is this outside reality that kind of uh, is infused with spring break. And the idea that you obviously can't live there. Right. There is it's it's hedonistic. It's it's it's.
1: It's yeah, you not, can't you can't maintain that level of hedonism indefinitely. No. The party has to end. The cocaine well, runs out eventually.
0: Unless you are an incredibly unintrospective dolt like Alien. Yes, Alien is anti-charismatic. He doesn't deliver any of his lines with conviction. He's just he was talking about like trying to get trying to warm up to the girls, failing to do so. Talking about so, did you try anything? Cocaine, a
1: little
0: cocaine, and cocaine. Like it's just he does he can't even talk. It's just No, he's
1: I mean he, he stumbled
0: okay. into Yeah,
1: he found the one thing he's good at, which is crime. He's just a two bit criminal. He would have never been good at anything else. You know, the guy probably would have been in jail regardless. The crime thing just happens to be working out for him right now. Um, and it I mean it, it works, but you know, that that storyline will end eventually, especially just, just, to, just to pick on the movie a little bit. So he performs at Spring Break as Alien, as the rapper. And then he goes and robs all the Spring Breakers with the two girls. The two girls are masked, and they're not from around there anyways. But that guy's been living there his whole life. They have to know him. And they probably saw him performing before he walked in on a shotgun and tried <laughs> to kill him in their goddamn <laughs> hotel room. So he's certainly not careful at all. I mean he's a (laughs) fucking idiot.
2: (laughs) So so
0: this this thing about still
1: a great character.
0: Yeah, no. (laughs) This movie is this movie has problems. I mean that's that's one thing we didn't even address off the bat is I mean for all intents and purposes, it's a bad movie. There's just a lot of great shit in it. Well it's I would I yes. Yes, I think
2: I think you're I think you're essentially right there, but I don't think the problem is in Harmony Korine's stylistic choices as to how he
0: makes film. I think that no, the style is fine. Yeah, I'm talking style about works the, great I'm talking for about the content. The movie mechanics yeah. are broke, but that's okay because there's enough there to keep it afloat.
2: Well, and also too, I think we have to kind of, you know, recognize that it, there is the need of the need for innovation that kind of comes from this uh, comes from this film, uh, and and Harmony Korine's style also I think is you know to not not revolutionary to, to a wide extent, but is, I think, boundary pushing. I think he's asking questions about what film can communicate. He's putting pop stars in a movie that people who would watch Selena Gomez on the Disney Channel or in a movie that, you know, in a Mary-Kate Olsen film that grew up with those kinds of films, you know, they might look at and see this, see this film. And once again, the idea is, is that, you know, there's, there's an imposition on what stylistic or what art should be from the viewer, right? Art should be these things, right? Jack Donaghy from 30 Rocks, my favorite character, right? Art is pictures of horses and pictures of ships and landscapes. Like, that's what (laughs) art is. And we all of course bring these kinds of stereotypes when we consume art, right? When we watch Spring Breakers, we're like this isn't a movie, this isn't what a movie should
0: be. Well, you had mentioned that when The Big Lebowski came out, the scenes where his trips, essentially, where they're just dancing around, doing bullshit, mm-hmm. were, you would mention that being profound at the time when you were watching it, yes. because it was the movie enjoying itself. Yes, absolutely. In a way that films hadn't before. This movie has the same thing, where you there are just, their entire scenes, it's not just the first two minutes, there are several minute-long interludes during this movie where they just go back to insanely Instagram-filtered, yep. just shots of attractive men and women having a good time on beaches and that's all that's happening in the scene.
2: Well you get this you also have a, a kind of sense too where, you know, it was it was a revolution in film, the idea that you would have an inter an interpersonal or completely internal sequence or in your film that was entirely contained within the person's imagination. I mean this is I meant a reference oh, you' talking
1: you're talking about Lebowski now right
2: yeah, yeah. Le, oh, I'm yeah. talking
0: about this idea that this is I perhaps. think that's quite relevant to this okay. movie I want that's why I brought it okay. Uh, okay keep going yeah, I just I want to tie that into this movie because I, I think to that's make sure a very we, real parallel. Yeah. okay I
2: wanted uh, but I wanted to kind of uh, if I could if I could kind of I think set us up where our discussion is going I talked about Cervantes and, De- and Don Quixote as being the birth of the modern novel and one of the ways that it is is that it it projects onto the the reader Don Quixote's subjective experience, right? They're not giants, they're windmills. And yet, we aren't fully, entirely aware of that when we read it. We might think that they are giants, but then we find out that they are windmills. And film had to kind of go through this very literal sense of how to relay a story, but then all of a sudden, we, get, we would get a subjective experience of what a character would be, how they would be viewing these things. Yes. And some, there's some very, very famous films that ultimately do this. And of course, none of them were famous than the idea of The Wizard of Oz, right? The idea that there is a, a normal life, and then Oz becomes this, this magical reality. That might be real, but then, of course, is later on revealed to be a dream. And so we just are kind of stuck in this moment of seeing, you know, of questioning whether or not this is the case when we're watching it in general. Is she actually in Oz or is she not? Well, the movie bails us out from ever having to reconcile those two things between us. There's a very famous Japanese movie called Rashomon, which specifically sets up a situation, a, a trial almost, and then relays the story from three different people's perspectives in the film. And this is, once again, a very, very famous period in film history where we get these different relatable experiences from different perspectives and once again we expect the camera to relay one consistent perspective right tell me the story from one perspective and we, let me see the whole thing and judge for myself when the camera or the director takes this uh, you know takes this responsibility on him or herself to you know switch positions to be unreliable to us this is this is partly engaging and and, and it also is it took film a while to get to the point to where you could have a Big Lebowski sequence and relish in itself. I mean, it is a, it took a long time for us to get here, especially in a more, uh, in a more mainstream sense. So, I love the Big Lebowski. It's one of my, it's my probably top three Coen Brothers movies of all time. I love that movie and that specific scene especially the gutterball sequence towards the end when that I mean that like yeah, when i was like i said that was a, i was my formative film years <laughs> and i was just awestruck watching this in the theater the first time i was expecting it i was wanting it and then it paid off in ways that i didn't know that i that film could pay off
1: oh see cuz it's funny because you know one of the reasons i have such a soft spot for harmony Corinne is because julian donkey boy was an incredibly yes. formative film experience for me as well and it does take a lot of so you're like what I was saying uh, earlier, you know, because it 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 references like a schizophrenic character, but it does take a very subjective look where at certain points you're kind of just seeing life through this guy's eyes. But you're also kind of seeing it through the other family, too. And it's all it's very dis- disjointed. But he does use the camera subjectively in, um, you know, to be able to kind of just give you a perspective on how someone is seeing things even though it may not look like how you're, you know, how you're seeing stuff. Like, you know, basically, you're getting to see other people's Instagram filter.
0: Yeah, well, and it, <laughs> it's you're revealing the dark side you as opposed to being someone in the movie itself, mm-hmm. someone within the story itself. You're, you're seeing the dark side of the way that you're being told the story, as mm-hmm. opposed to the dark side of any one particular character that you happen to get the right angle on and see what's going on. Um, which makes it hard to try. I mean, granted, that's been that's been a trope in books yes. forever. Yeah. I mean, that's the first person narrative. The whole, half of the point of the first person narrative, aside from being able to take out he said she said from every fucking line in the book, is that you get to put a spin on everything. Yes.
1: And that's yeah. You can have you can have unreliable narrators.
0: But film, <laughs> film's stru- still trying to catch up with this.
2: I think another key point of Julian Donkey Boy. Which is that we talked before about t- about showing something and not and not telling it before. I what makes Julian Donkey Boy such an incredible film is that it doesn't sh- tell you the story about a schizophrenic. The point of that movie is to make you feel what it would be like to be schizophrenic. That movie, more than anything else, makes you feel schizophrenic watching it. Yeah. And that is that encapsulates its power. But once again, for most people, are they would not be willing to go there. They do not want to go there. And because it is it is No, it
1: it's 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 hard. It's grating. Um, it's jarring. Cuz the one person I know that has spent time with the schizophrenic cannot watch that movie cuz it's too accurate. Like it's <laughs> it, it it hurts too much to like have to be put in that position.
2: And I mean if we if, <laughs> if we're talking about what film can accomplish, I mean r- the idea that there would be some sort of contained truth in film. I think I think film can relay truth. And I think one of the ways just that like can,
1: all art, yeah, exactly, can. yes, yeah. it can.
2: And, it, and that's, <laughs> that's where that is part of what is so frustrating about film is that, you know, it is so underutilized as its ability to relay this, this, these concepts of truth overall. And that is one of the things that I think Harmony Korine is able to do. This idea of actually having this experience and feeling what can be possible within it. And Spring Breakers, I think, then takes this and applies it to a very interesting concept, which is this ethereal, dreamlike pleasure boat experience of what Spring Break might or could be to people. And it try it, it tries to relay this to us, but also relays the larger and more complex aspects of how or what it is. It, we know that Spring Break isn't the ethereal, you know, uh, MTV experience, right? We know that it has this darker side. Even though that's
1: know. what they're trying to sell it to us, uh, not not the movie, but I mean in general, like that's the very what MTV people who go is trying yeah. to, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: they they the people who go will tell you that it is this yes. experience, yes, and that's the thing too is that they're they're the that's ones, all
0: the pictures they take,
2: and yeah, they're, exactly, they're the ones lying, they're they're, yeah. they're they're lying both to themselves and to us.
0: They're talking about the way the experience changed who they are as a person, how yeah. they found themselves, because that's the part they want to bring back. Yes. They leave all the rest of it there. Except for the bullet hole, of course. Yes. Okay, so, but the,
2: but especially the idea of violence, right? The movie ends, I mean, uh, spoiler alert, the movie ends in <laughs> a gratuitous fucking, you know, shootout. Shootout, yeah. I mean, these girls in, in, in with with hot pink targets around their heads and their masks. And they
1: still manage to hit everybody.
2: Gun down, yeah. you know, 12 gangsters in a, in a mansion backyard. Who probably
1: actually practiced using guns before.
2: And so, you know, Harmony Corinne, I mean, in a sense he's 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 telling us the truth by lying to us. I mean, he's 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 saying that look that what people will tell you is the truth is not actually happening. And I will tell you that they're I will tell you the truth that they're lying by lying to you in the narrative of this film and in the story in general. And that's why we could say that this would be a that this film is a critique. That's why we could say that this film is trying to not not bias us or build us into an overall relatability of, oh, we've got plot, we've got good guys, we've got bad guys, we've got a point, we've got a morality tale within this. No, fuck all that. Like, let's just experience Spring Break in a, in, a, in, in its most MTV experience, but then also in its most exploitative, gritty, you know, crime and violence-ridden aspect that it also contains as well. And the fact that he's able to just throw all these things together and synthesize them in this 90 minute fucking music video.
1: yeah is yeah.
2: ultimately, I think what is accomplishment is and that's why it's good because you could have a story where some you know you have four girls go, they do some drugs, they do some bad things, one of them gets date raped, there's an emotional climax and they come back to the real world and loving their parents. I mean, we've seen that movie before and there's a reason those kinds of movies are on lifetime <laughs> and not true
0: art or cinema. I think that is exactly what does happen in this movie. Yes. To pull back to the fantasy one more time. Yeah. We brought up the two the two murdering girls.
1: Yes, the two psychos.
0: The Spring Break Forevers. Yes. I'm not sold. No, they're, the, they're, the, they're the Spring Breakers. Yes. 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 I'm not sold that they did any of the things the movie told us no. they did. No. No. There's no, no reason to believe they robbed anyone. There's no reason to believe they went on a rampage and killed and all those that, gangsters. There's, we're taking their word for that's it. That's
1: why I said it's a fantasy. I mean, those girls took the bus home like everyone else did. Uh, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. it, essentially, but in the fantasy... they took
0: the dream back.
1: In the the way
0: the other two did not. The other two said one was uncomfortable, one of them got into... It got too real? It either got too real, or Mm -hmm. the date rape scenario happened, or they did, in fact, it's possible they did get shot because it's possible that they did end up with some bad dudes like Alien and something bad happened, and she brought home that story. Right. The other two got back unscathed and just gloat about it because who's going to tell on them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What stays yeah, in Pete, St. Pete. Or what happens, happens in, in St. Pete, Pete stays, stays in St. Pete. Saint
2: Pete. Yeah. I, I gotta just... <laughs> I mean, if, the, if there's one way the movie lies to us, who the fuck goes to spring break in St. Pete? I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, I thought people, they do Daytona, they do, um, <sighs> what's the northern one that they do?
0: Panama City or whatever yeah, it is. Panama yeah, Panama City. You know, the armpit. I mean, even the girls, I mean, I forget which of the two of you mentioned that they don't act like they even know each other all that well. When the two are talking about their cocaine-fueled rage, and that was the first tip-off when I watched the movie the second time. Right. I had to watch this movie twice in 24 hours, which was a bit much, but <laughs> to get ready for this, because I hadn't seen it before. so much neon. But, but it didn't occur to me the first time, when they're explaining their... Their stick up scenario because yes. they don't have enough money between the bunch of them to make it down and have a good time. They have enough money to get down there, but right. they don't have enough money to actually. So they rob, like, a fast food place. Yeah. And the details with of a, this story are insane. They talk about, for some reason, they just have access to cocaine. Mm-hmm. Like, that was how they psyched themselves up to go rob a place. Yeah. And the girls, the with, other. With
1: nothing but a fake gun and nothing a sledgehammer. fake
0: guns and. You know, the cops, for some reason, don't know yeah. any of this happened. Yeah. And, and even even Faith. Faith is like, what? Like, yeah. what? They like She's completely disbelieving of all of that. And then
1: they go and act out the whole thing, and she's still not buying it.
0: Well, and that's, yeah. the, th- and that's the other thing. They don't just show a montage of what happened. They're talking in the fantasy. Yes. They're like, stick it up, bitch. And they're, like, pointing it at her. And yeah. they're doing that, like, super real in-your-face thing where they're, they're acting like you know this is serious and whoa like take a step back but we mean it kind of yeah. thing where you're just you're a little too close. Well, it's it's also
2: the only time we actually see the scenes of the robbery itself because in the in the in the in the, the narrative while they're at their hometown in the beginning of the film, it's. You know they, they're outside, and then the film cuts away to them running away. Yeah, outside yeah. They, they of it. go yeah. in the
1: front door, and then it cuts yeah, to them coming out the back and driving away. And yeah. all of a sudden, they have all this money, and they no, can it, go yeah. on their spring and break it's, now. And it's the
2: refrain that he makes too. It's you know, it's like a dream. Even when he's when they're walking up towards that last conflict with yeah. you know Alien and the two girls behind him, he's like, it's a spring break. You know, it's it's like a dream. It's you know, it's, it's a, a fantasy. It feels like a dream. Feels like yeah. a dream. Yeah, yeah, and this this idea that it rolls through this, and I mean we. I think even, th-
1: it's even a fantasy for Alien, because, I mean, you know, like, oh, I'm going to bail these four girls out, and then, like, two of them just happen to be psychotic retards, like I am. Like, oh, I found my soulmate. It's, like, yeah. his dream, too. Yeah, he
0: found a posse of yeah. two girls who can wield Uzis like nobody's business and, don't and wear bikinis. K- and, yeah, and, yeah. D- and don't also, mind
1: jacking people.
0: I want one of those ski masks with the unicorn <laughs> on it. Nah. That would be a sick, you sick could, You could join uh, Pussy ride if you do that, what? too. I think. Woo! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Do some Russian uh, no? I think, civil disobedience. No, I think more than one person is completely lying about what's happening in this movie. Well, it's a fantasy. I mean, that's it's what it's a this,
1: fantasy. This it is. really is. Well,
0: but it's just that their their fantasies are being entangled in the movie. It's it is an interaction of them because the girls clearly have this fantasy. Alien clearly has this fantasy, and their stories, even though neither of them happened in quotes, they link up. And magic happens. Well, that's, but that's what groups,
2: that's what societies, that's what friends are all about. People who share the same delusion, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be. I mean, if we're if we're going to be honest here, I mean, no, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying there's a lot of truth to this. Yeah, and spring, yes, exactly. In the lie, absolutely. And spring break is the lie. It is. It is the truth that encapsulates spring the reality. Spring break. Spring break. Spring
1: break. And break.
0: I mean, if we want to talk about what they were going down there to achieve, Ryan, I think we've been saying it, and it's been in front of everyone's face. It is just those words. Like break. that, is, that yes. is what they want like they don't know what they want underneath that so they're inventing and the two girls well, and they run th- with that and shit and they
1: think there's something down there that they're going to discover and that's that's just like a, the naive thing you know oh I'm going to make the, the fucking you know cross country journey and discover yourself like I mean you're looking for something because you don't have it is spring break where it's at no not really but they're really convinced of that but so. they got
0: two words and a montage to <laughs> work with <laughs>
2: Well, no, but it's also filled with people who are looking for the same thing yeah I mean that's the other you know you, you go to there that's why people can uh, you know people go there looking for the same experience right this kind of hedonistic revelry that happens within you know within a certain type and class of people and you know, and
1: within a within a a, a very you know Specified environment, like these. Yeah. These don't happen everywhere. There's like you know they're little, designated playgrounds. They're little, yeah, magical playgrounds that are somewhere else where yeah. this happens. Well, no, because the, I mean there
2: is there are kind of you know this movie is kind of bisected. You know you have the the dreamy ethereal you know scooter ride through St. Pete. You know spring break. You've got the post arrest you know aliens world of spring break, and then it even transcends aliens world of spring break where you get this ethereal, ultra violent you know, revelry of Spring Break as well. And it kind of breaks these ideas down. Yeah,
1: because at the end, like, it shows, you know, because Alien's even living a fantasy because he's really a fraud, too, that's just held on the leash of the actual guy that runs the town. Yeah, exactly.
2: And they're juxtaposed well to each other, too, as Alien's, like, in his... There's a really good scene in his house. He's got this, like, you know, this, like... Track mid fifties housing kind of thing that he lives in, <laughs> and you know he's out there and he's with his guns and he's looking big. And meanwhile, the guy he you know that he's in, in competition with has the mansion,
1: the Lamborghinis, the Lamborghinis, yeah. staff,
2: his, his baby's starving. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. <laughs> he's in his house with this some table of, full of weed, and he's like, "My baby's starving." <laughs> and he's got this, this child on his hands and guns some of the, and people. Some of them. the
0: least inspired line reading I've ever heard, which I think works <laughs> perfectly within the scene. The way the way that he delivers those lines about yeah. needing these demanding satisfaction essentially yeah. from his underlings.
2: Yes. My baby's starving and I got to tell you too that that if you if we watch Gummo later on, I think Gummo uh, Harmony Corrin's first movie. Yes. Uh, yes. first movie he directed actually. If we have, if we want to go way back, we could go to uh, Kids, which is a movie Harmony Corrin wrote yes, and, yes. and worked See, on. Yes. Yes. See,
1: this is, you know, you have to appreciate Harmony Corrin does have a gift for writing about trashy teenagers. If you have not <laughs> seen Kids, and Ken Park, okay, on his IMDb, it's not referenced that he wrote it. He did write it. I don't know if you can still find copies of that, though. That's got the uh, father-son blowjob scene. It's a fabulous piece of garbage <laughs> film. Um, but Harmony Karenza always had a knack for really getting, like, like, the the, the trash out of the teenagers. Like, he he throws it all out there. Well, and he, and that that was like really his initial gift to us as a filmmaker through kids.
2: Well, he I think he he targets in the kind of baseness within society and within individuals also expressed through teenagers. I yes. mean there is this sex violence uh, and these are always in,
1: teenagers in, from like very like lower socioeconomic areas. They don't have good structure, you know. They're like backwoods Ohio kids. They're backwoods like. They're, they're kids. inner city
2: leftovers, yes. you know. Like there's there's a good dynamic that he pulls within this, and it's. I mean, I it is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting to see. That, I mean, I don't. I, and I hate the idea that it would that this film is just social commentary. I don't think it is, no. but in the sense that it has this element of social commentary in Harmony Korine's work, I think. Does have because oh, and you read reviews for this? They talk, oh, this
0: is a critique on you know materialist society, on oh, capitalist I don't society. Find that either I that mean, at all. mean, no. no I, when I, think I said there's, this, there's... when I said this was a moment in time, that wasn't a critique of it being merely some form of satire. I'm just saying that the way it is shot is incredibly specific. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it, yes, absolutely. It yeah.
1: captures the the pop of 2012, even yeah. like down to the touches where they're all wearing the DTF sweatpants when they go out.
0: That's down to fuck. Down right? to fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes yeah. no. It's it's Thank you Jersey the, Shore. Yeah. there will be reasons to watch this movie in ten years. It's just that the way it is composed will be nonsensical, right? And I think that you
2: know, once again, I didn't want to I didn't want to say that anyone was doing that here, but I wanted to say that you know, when 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 some smart people will watch this film, right? That's what they will see. Is this like you know, he's doing uh, you know, social commentary? He's referencing all spring breaks. You know, no. that's no. the easy way out. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah, bullshit. Yeah. Because I don't think that they were kind of reconciling with the larger ideals of what this thing is, or how it, or what spring, what spring break represents. And this, I think, the question has to be asked again: What you know, what is spring break, and what is it there to accomplish? I think we've tried to like you know, we've tried to parse this out. We've tried to find this, you know, the, the ideas he, within yeah, what spring I mean, break is entails. because like
1: we were saying, the movie is a lot a fantasy. Um, you know, in spring break, to a certain extent, is that you know that
0: it's a, is fantasy. a fantasy it, as it's well. It's just words.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's strange too because when you watch Gummo, um, you know the, the film that this is his first film. You know, you get you talk about insincerity within lines. I mean, there are, you know, it is it is a it is a rough film to watch because you are shown characters, you are shown people with very very simple desires, very very simple lives, and the crassness and, and of of those people and of those lives. I mean, we we when we watch them, we feel so superior, right? And it's I, I really find this to be the case too, because I was you know you read some r- online reviews <laughs> on like Amazon and, and and these things are, you know, really really brutal in the sense that you they they generally go into two camps, right? People who say this film's unwatchable, which once again for normies the idea that film is to be experienced and not to be shown
0: or told something. Well, if you I mean, those... find it
1: to be unwatchable, you already don't need to be making an opinion on it.
0: Well, I was. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would merely say that if I was watching this in a vacuum, it would be unwatchable. The reason I got as much out of it as I did is because I expected to have to come on here and talk about it intelligently because none of that stuff is even relevant to the first watching of the film. Right. Like, that doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the bad movie versus... It's, it's where the the bad movie with great motifs and elements comes in because it's just that stuff doesn't matter on the first watch well see I, I I
2: it's tough because the way the the method of storytelling Corinne has I think he has two demonstrably great movies I think Gummo's a great movie and I think Julian Donkey boy is his greatest movie and I think that is
1: that is my number one pick for movies made in the 90s that's number one hands down yeah, It's no, not gonna change
2: no I think because this is I I the unwatchability of the thing is because it is it is it is abstracted from our expectations of what narrative should be and that we have to break that shit down we have to you know we we we're, we're just trained to to accept the plot points right we're we're movies Tell us that every tw- th- 20 to 30 minutes there needs to be a plot point that changes everything. This changes everything, right? We thought it was something, now the stakes have been upped, and we expect the stakes to be upped every single time. And we and go through the formulaic, curly, we go through the formulaic rising action, climax, denouement, fucking scenario. And then 47 over and over again.
1: plot twist is like the new things, too. You've got to add like 47 yeah, keep plot twists. Thank you, just you to Mission keep Impossible us, too. Yeah, just I mean, to keep us interested, I suppose. Well,
0: it's a convenient way to increase the complexity of a plot is to twist the plot, but that's, that also introduces a million plot holes, but that's what lore is for. I don't want to get into lore, that needs to be its own podcast, but...
2: <laughs> well, but it also, I think, you know, shows the paucity, that shows the, the lack of fucking depth in the overall subject matter that you're writing about, or that you're trying to explain to people. I mean, if you've got to get caught up in plot devices as a way of relating or executing tension, I mean, I really don't think that... You are en- en- encapsulating what film can be possible of. There's a movie. There's a great fucking mu- movie called Amour, Love, and it's about two old people who are dying. And the fucking movie that is that is the plot. And this movie has a devastating effect in watching it. And it has virtually nothing to do with the plot of the film. Mm-hmm. It is entirely about the the feelings of how this is relayed to the audience. And not to say that there aren't that there aren't developments in the story. But it is not about those developments. I mean, this this encapsulates and and achieves a feel that is, I mean, tragically heartbreaking and how relatable it is if you're willing to accept the fact that you're going to be 80 or 90 years old one day, and or that it could happen to you. And that is, you know, in that sense too. I just, I really, I really think that we have to kind of. As a, as a way of understanding film, to to go in and say, not to say that's not unwatchable or that it isn't something that we can engage with, but to understand that there are multiple ways of telling a story, and this is this can be a very powerful one. It can, really can be, because I I the, the frustration I have towards a lot of the conventionality in which I see in films is because I I tend to see it as a lack a lack of depth where something happens but nothing is actually related.
0: That that seems like it's a it's that seems again in the same way that if i wasn't looking at spring breakers critically i wouldn't have got what i did out of it that's that's a matter of understanding the terms of the agreement with the film you're making and okay. to some extent it I seems see, yeah. hard to it seems hard to square a need to be able to approach a movie that open mindedly and just the expectation of what a film is supposed to be i mean and i agree it would be nice if we had some expansion of film just merely being a 2 hour story mm-hmm. but that actually that ties into that sort of ties back into books in a weird way, for me at least. Is there a problem where we have a conflation of fiction in the novel form with the film form? Because this comes up when people talk about having read the book and preferring the book to the film. A book has way, way longer to address itself to, to force you to address it on its own terms. The book can be, the book only needs to be appealing. In the first half hour, it only needs the mainstream hooks to get you to start reading it. And then the author has a long time to actually get you into the mood. And TV series are kind of the same way. Breaking Bad had five seasons to bring you into alignment with its understanding of the world. Movies get two hours, sometimes three to do that. Spring Breakers only got 90 minutes and spent half of it in montages Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with the movie. Like, I think there's, and granted, we talk about watching movies more than once, which I think everyone around here, around this table, would advocate. It's pretty much impossible to have a real opinion on a movie without watching it at least twice.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: but that's not the expectation, because there's no other medium that excuses that behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't ever go back, when you have given your assertion that something is bad, that is supposed to let you off the hook. hmm And film is one of the only media where that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, somehow that even applies to music Mm -hmm. most of the time. Most people will listen to a song once. And they'll know if they like it or not. Yeah. I mean, that is enough. And granted, I feel like I'm in that camp. There are very few songs I turn around on that way. Right. Uh, Film is different. Film, uh, there are a lot of movies that I have either disliked or liked and flipped my opinion. That doesn't really happen in music. So it almost seems like that's unique to film. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly why. Well, I, I got a minute. I was gonna say yeah. That's fine. We can take a break I if we need it. it. Yeah, it's,
2: it's okay. yeah. Let's take a break. Yep. Yeah. Break.
0: break, break, bitches!
2: <laughs> oh man. So what are we gonna wrap up with here? What?
0: We had an unanswered question. Oh yeah, about uh, remind me quickly. About why why is film so why is film so special? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty to get out of watching a or watching. I'm sure there's plenty to get out of reading a book twice or listening to music twice, but we don't generally take it for granted that that needs to be done. Like it's possible to read a book one time and enjoy it thoroughly. Yes. Film is not that way, but we can't let film be taken on those terms. There's just there's there's some sort of contract that has prevented that from happening. Unless you like the movie the first time around, I mean, I've I know plenty of people who saw movies that everyone around this table would consider vapid and not worth the time of day. Avengers have watched oh, who watch it multiple times in the theater. Like yeah. it's not it's not that you're not allowed to re experience those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 socially acceptable it's socially acceptable to do that unless you're a re-reader, which is one of my favorite terms ever. Um, but but it's not a convention to assume that it's possible that your initial impression was wrong.
1: I just I feel like but okay, now I'm not much of a rereader because it's such an accomplishment for me to get through one book. I can't imagine going back and doing it again. Word. Um <laughs> You know, so I, I'm sure that there's more out of the books that I have read if I, I went on the reread. I can't speak for that. Music though, you said you don't even listen to stuff this like more than once. Okay, for music depends. This, this is how I, I get into music. If if I am going to try and get into a song or into a new C D, and this is why I add new things to my repertoire like at a very slow rate. Me too. I I literally listen to the same song or the same C D for weeks to months at a time before it becomes officially part of my
0: repertoire. Yeah, I do. I, I do I, the same thing. I do
1: that for just about all music that I actually like.
0: Slow to warm, and then yeah, yeah. I was. I discovered uh, what was the name of the song? Cuckoo, uh, cuckoo. It's by Nick Falvi. I want to say his guy's name. I don't even know his actual name. Okay. I just know the name of the <laughs> the thing, and I found that Uh, because there was some random collab playlist that was public on Spotify (laughs) that a friend of the website, Ben Watts, was on. And I just listened to that song for... I listened to it for about eight hours when I found it and then have listened to it plenty more hours after that. Like, it's just... uh, And I just listened to it on a repeat of the one song. It's only four minutes, but there's enough in it and it's got enough of the sound. We'll do a Music as Drug podcast at some point um, because I think there's... A lot of ground to cover on that yeah, front. Mu-
1: music's an intense drug. It's one of the ones I have the hardest time with, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm in it for the sounds.
1: I am too. I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm almost. It's almost all sound-driven to me, and that's because I don't understand anything about okay. music.
0: <laughs> Bringing this back to film.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> do you disagree? No. <laughs> entirely. No. I. Uh, <laughs> I do. Okay. I would. Um, for someone seeing like Avengers uh, in the in, in the theater multiple time, I do think that one of the things that that ho- current Hollywood films can attempt and and occasionally do well is what what a lot of people felt when they first saw large Hollywood films spectacle. Right? They wanted to see something they hadn't seen before. They wanted to see a reality that they could not see outside as well. And by the way, I, I mean I'm not going to bullshit you guys here. I mean I tend to think of myself as an, an, an intellectual. You don't say. <sighs> yeah. So, but at the same time, I am looking forward to the new Star Wars movie. I mean, I I enjoyed the original Star Wars movies, the, despite the fact that they are you know Hollywood you know. No, sci-fi, you have to no?
1: you have to be able to appreciate your yes. low and high art. Yes. Okay. And that's that's. <laughs> you can be as pretentious as you fucking want, but they both have their own merits. Absolutely,
2: and I'm I am I am I'm enthused by what I'm seeing from the new trailers, especially since because I do like the spectacle also and also it doesn't mean that these things can't have kinds of genuine emotions i mean i know it's trite but and it's and it's a replayed moment over over all but I, r- I really remember the first time i understood the import of luke skywalker with his hand chopped off y- you know being told by darth vader that he is his father and that fucking i mean it,
1: i was 6 when when i had that revelation i ha-
2: it took me a little bit longer i was a little more naive i did and, watch
1: the star wars films every single day from the age of 5 to seven.
2: But the, that, you know. You're not alone. I mean, I, I I know. You know, you, as a kid, you're, you're, you know, you're told to understand that when, when someone's feeling, when someone's feeling an emotion and then when someone's feeling emotion, (laughs) and you know, Luke Skywalker, you know, no, you know, it's not possible. And he's fucking search your feelings, you know, and you're like, and then what does he do? He fucking commits suicide. He fucking falls down. He gives himself over. I mean, that cinematically, is a powerful moment in film and in film history and i think that it the reason it is so relevant the reason it is so tr- you know we consider it trite is because we've lost the effect that a moment like that could have on us and big action hollywood movies created that moment i mean it really did and i and it's the same thing too i mean we know we like i love to bag on spielberg with you anytime but like <laughs> there is some a, that's
1: another podcast yeah there's but there's
2: a giddy fucking reality to Jaws that I watched in the theater with the 25th to 40th, I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was an anniversary. I saw it in the theater again. And that movie has some uh, has some very visceral and effective filmmaking that goes into it. and some very powerful emotions in a Hollywood large budget movie too. And so when we have this idea of spectacle, going back and seeing movies over and over again, I definitely have my own opinion as to what I would consider the best l- lowbrow art. And once again, I think it's, I don't even want to call it that because, you know, Luke, I'm your, you know, uh, a Luke, I'm your father. Moment is is hard to f- can't find. No matter what type of art you find it, I've ha- I haven't had visceral emotional reactions like that to high art movies. I mean, like no. that I've liked as well. than what? How I was affected and can bring the chills to myself in thinking about that moment in in, in Empire Strikes Back. And I mean, it. I yeah. definitely see where that can come from and have it as well. And I think the the rewatching, I like to reexperience those, and I can I really try to channel those larger moments and the anticipation of them coming and seeing it overall, I try to rechannel that and to experience that anew every time. And I want to I want to do that. And,
1: uh, and I just, like I said, film is one of those things, I just feel like you can't see everything in it the first time around. You know, you have to give but you it can a second feel that. But
2: you can feel that Luke, I'm your father moment yes. the first time.
1: Well, and the other thing, to, to speak more to, you know, we we're bagging on people that see the Avengers four times. I feel like that's more of, those people aren't looking for something in a film as much as they're looking for the dopamine hit. Right. And that's a little bit of a different way of approaching the film. Well,
0: sure, but is and, that why people went to see Empire Strikes Back?
1: Okay, that, you have to look at that historically. Now, uh, Star Wars was coming out of an era um, where American film was at its height, and it was very, very gritty. Yeah. Stuff was serious. So, stuff was- Examples. Was gripping. Um, anything Dustin Hoffman Bonnie and Clyde, in, Godfather. Yeah, like the Marathon Man, Straw Dogs, The Wild Bunch, uh, Midnight Cowboy. Okay. Uh, you know, films were American film was gritty in the '70s. It's probably when American film peaked, and Star Wars flipped that on its head. I mean, even when Lucas was making that, they're like, "Dude, nobody's gonna watch this. Schlock. Yeah. <laughs> this is retarded." And uh, and it it has a unique place in history because it moved us out of that grittiness and gave us kind of like a Hollywood structure that we could. We, we got into it. We, we, we found it just as impactful as all of this drama that worked up to that point. Right. Even though it wasn't... Even though it was, you know, like a sci-fi action film, Yeah, essentially. the setting. The setting changes. Yes.
2: But there's still, still some elements. I mean, for anyone who wants to kind of see what, what 70s filmmaking is like, I mean, watch old Spielberg films. Watch Jaws. Watch E.T. again. Watch um, the Alien one. Third, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. I mean, these are... These you can even th-
1: watch the original Alien. Yeah, That's the original Alien. The original I mean, the, Alien, they have yeah. these
2: kinds of, you know, these, these domesticated, you know, it, it exchanges between, between characters... That is very kind of that gives us this kind of slice of like gritty reality, mm-hmm. but then also they they then elevate slightly above that in the way that the, you know and a lot of a lot of the themes also where you get close encounters of the third kind, which then climaxes in this ridiculous you know the the close encounter itself, which is both you know once again where the fuck did this come from? Yeah. the movie <laughs> like how did we get here? <laughs> You know, when, you know, the first 30 minutes is Richard Dreyfus Carving
1: you know, mashed potatoes. Yeah, and arguing with his family and
2: dealing with, you know, with his kids slamming around all the house for the first 45 minutes of the film. And,
1: and it takes… that movie takes about two and a half hours to develop to that point.
2: Absolutely. Like,
1: it, it's a slow burner.
2: And so, and so now, you know, I think where Hollywood kind of lost its way is that they want to give you the end of… they want to give you the end of that movie, the whole movie. Right they it's like you know they got to
1: start out strong yeah, the, they've the, got to have a hundred plot twists to keep you into it mm-hmm. and then they got to end on a high note
2: and so you you have this kind of you know the, the way in which you can rewatch a film also why i find it so da- damaging is that this constant this constant spectacle this constant action i find grating and dulling i find that that it is that a it it, 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 it you know i think the, the major problem of american American culture in general is that we think great people do great things. They don't they they aren't great, right? They do something great, like action wise, but they aren't. They don't think great. They don't express things that are great. They don't. You know, they aren't morally great. Yeah. I mean, they're just. You know, they do great <laughs> things. That's what they do. You know, they they jump. Hey, from... they're,
1: they're they're projects of scale, yeah. but not necessarily projects of content. Yes,
2: exactly, and that, I think <laughs> is the is the biggest problem we tend to face. And so when I find myself wanting to watch a Hollywood movie, I think that it encapsulates elements that have both within them. I think that. Uh, you know I think the the best iteration we're trying to see with some of these now and I do think they failed at it is the um news uh, the recent reboot of the James Bond film where there's an attempt to kind of provide a kind of gritty motivated character idea or that or this idea that there is a, perhaps a questioning of what morality can take place within the context of a spy thriller obviously. but then you get a kind of jolty actiony spectacle like with film so many well. plot
1: turns you don't even know where yes are and I the think end. it
2: I think it's trying to synthesize synthesize these two but I just think it doesn't achieve it overall because I've yet to experience a true emotional moment in a James Bond film so far.
1: I do like that poker that that poker
2: elements of them are really really well done but I just don't think I just don't think they because once again all those can be good but if you don't have a Luke where's I'm your father kind of moment you know...
1: It's just not that important.
2: Well, It, is, it doesn't feel it, and yeah. you, you don't feel it the first time, and it's... it's that's the problem. Do you
0: have an example of that in the uh, 21st century of a movie that is high on spectacle? Of uh, that caliber? Okay, um... Oh, it's not the 21st century. Son of a bitch. Well, that's... that's. I think there's an important distinction to be made in the 21st century, because the James Bond reboot was massively like a lot of television, like a lot of other films, in the way that things... 9-11 completely altered the way yeah. that the underbelly of things are investigated yeah I think that I think you're right and kind of the glamour of James Bond evaporated yeah completely. I, I
1: can say that because you know it's I find it funny that I'm discussing films now because um you know probably since shortly after 9 11 I actually don't watch a lot of film now I feel like I've seen all the good stuff from prior to that era and I feel like for the most part stuff is garbage
2: no the most impactful I mean
1: I watch more TV programs now because they've kind of stepped up and taken
0: that's a podcast yeah, you're, that's you're, a podcast oh, yeah. in and yeah, of itself oh, yeah. but there, I mean, right. there's a whole set of yeah, podcasts, yeah, podcasts we'll do with that TV if has watched,
1: actually so. kind of replaced <laughs> the impact that film used to have for me um, and that that's kind of a Product of the current day.
2: I'm still, yeah.
1: Movie structure. The production
2: process, yeah. has leaned in that direction. Yeah, the, and then also you get a generalized marketability where you know every film has to be released inter- internationally, and I think that
1: and it has to make a million, like a hundred million dollars in the first week, or it's you know, yeah. nobody cares. I'm probably
2: not. I'm probably losing my mind. I mean, the the, the initial example you said that I, that it kind of encapsulated this ability to like to like have a visceral moment reaction the first time you watch it, but then you want it, I wanted to go back and. Just check this thing out a little bit, and don't laugh at me, but the first Matrix movie,
0: I felt achieved... I'm both. not gonna fucking laugh at you okay. for that. that the, matri- the first Matrix movie is a great movie. No, it, movie. it ends I on... You
1: probably it, go and watch that one. I it ends on a, a
2: on a Nietzsche-esque Ubermensch moment that is like... Well,
1: I like... See, and I like the the, the Nietzsche-esque philosophy that's... Web, that's yes. that weaves that, yeah. that no, 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 through no, this, that no, this, film. no of
0: this post-Christian analysis bullshit, yes. by the way. I mean, that yeah, well, that was that dead. was when they got to yeah. three.
1: Like, Keanu was not the yeah. Christ child. Oh, no,
0: no, I'm talking Matrix 1. Yeah, no, I think they completely fucked it. I... I think we have a consensus a general critical consensus that that was a really promising beginning that completely fell. Where could, yeah. where could you, he ends he ends <laughs> he ends the first matrix neo is
2: is, is without restriction. I mean he yep. is he is pure creation at that point.
0: I mean you can't you can't build on top. Of, okay, one thing no, no, no no, you could. They just failed. Yes. Yes. I think there yes. is, <laughs> I think there were creative avenues okay, yeah, they yeah. could have taken that they completely did not
2: address. Well, and also too I think that that, you know, when I, when, when, once again, when I talk about the idea of, see, of seeing genius, especially genius, you know, because, yeah. like, usually you're told genius. Beautiful mind, you know, you're told this guy's a genius, that he, he does genius things. Apparently, you know, numbers floating in your mind makes you a genius. I don't know, but...
0: Yeah, that's basically what okay, it looks cool. like.
2: Okay, cool, yeah. Sure, sure. yeah. Is, that, is that what it looks like, David? Yeah, that's exactly what it looks Good, like. Good, okay. <laughs> I'm glad you really it to us. So the idea is, is that, that, you know... Being told someone's a genius is different than actually being seen seeing someone as a genius. And in literature, I think you're able to better establish these kinds of dynamics to a certain extent. And but the problem is, is that you almost have to be able to to see that or, or to be a genius in order to relate or explain or, or to show genius to someone else as well. And I mean, the, really the few things I've actually ever encountered that in literature would be like Thomas Mann and um, Joseph the Provider uh, and Joseph, his his retelling of the Joseph story of the Bible. And that has some really, really brilliant elements within that book overall. But returning back to the to The Matrix... The unfortunate thing was, is that you weren't able to achieve the depth within the matrix. But what the first time I saw the, I saw it in the theater, like opening or second weekend.
1: I was, I was with you. We saw it at least twice, today, yeah. I believe.
2: Like people were fucking like ecstatically excited during that movie. Like the the uh, the shoot 'em up scene in the lobby. I mean, that was like it achieved both the synthesis. of of what the idea was was that there was this hyper reality and that there was an ability to control it you have the fucking spectacle of this ridiculous shootout you have the you've got some
1: great sci-fi philosophy built into there exactly
2: you've yeah. got the release of it in the sense that the you you, may, you can and embody and be your own power and you can translate that into a, a world that is oppressing that you know unique desire to express the freedom of power itself and hey, kick a little ass while you're at it exactly and to, and to be able to kung fu save the world and like this is you know this is once again it, it's unfortunate in what it unleashed which is that apparently you can solve all the world's problems by kicking people and and slow motion stop motion
1: photography basically and you know (laughs) you can
2: in fact kick yourself to saving the world and that of course is not genius I mean that's the problem too is that it relayed and showed something that we hadn't fully you know the stakes had never been that high to to be solved by Kung Fu and this is what exactly what we were shown in the Matrix movie now like I said I will probably have an answer for you later on about a 21st century movie that I think encapsulate a sense of spectacle, but I'm drawing a blank, and I'll tell you what, I, I know the answer isn't, sure as hell isn't Speed Racer. Yeah. Okay, I'll Are tell you that. sure? I'm positive. No, 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 no. <laughs> Speed, a,
0: Speed Racer is the culmination of a good time. Yes, We'll okay. get into Speed Racer at some point. Yeah, that I, will be an episode, but good. I think there is uh, there is a distinction to be made there. I know. I, um, I mean, I do have one example that comes to mind, and that is in Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, okay. When Gandalf falls. Yeah, okay. I watched that movie... Seven times in theaters, and cried in six of them. Yeah, run okay. you, run you fools!
1: I do yeah. have to. I, I have to make a fly you fool. Fly
0: you fool. A, you a, f- yeah, sorry, a sorry, small yeah.
1: note from our our last our Birdman analysis. Okay. Oh. You said. <laughs> script. I just want to say you had mentioned that people people don't get moved by like the fantasy of stuff by Lord of the Rings, and when I went back and listened to that, I had to laugh because that is 21st century movies. I don't think I have found a movie that moves more people than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. No.
0: Interesting. I have
1: met people who have said that is the most beautiful thing, thing, they've (laughs) ever seen in their entire lives. Really? Like, I have met people that hate fantasy, that are moved to tears watching it. I have...
0: I hate fantasy.
1: Yeah. uh, I think it's funny that you had mentioned it because I almost feel like it's the opposite. Like, that movie has probably invoked more emotion out of people than anything else the 21st century has produced on the movie screen.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was, I mean, by the end of it, you do have, I mean, the trilogy... I'm actually, I do only stand on the first movie. Like in The Matrix, I think the second two lose steam. I'm talking specifically about the first one, but that's not to discredit anything you said. I believe that... I'm just,
1: I am just was yeah. making a note that people find that movie, find basically yeah. the whole trilogy amazingly emotionally impactful.
2: That's good to hear. Because I was, I mean, I I, I was, I like that scene as well. I also liked the... Um, the the sam and, and and frodo scene after the rings destroyed spoiler and that, <laughs> <laughs> where um you know that but the but it, you know everything everything they're dying right and the and the, the the lava and the red and like i don't know what it was about that scene but like i was you know i was ready
0: well the world is crumbling around yeah exactly
2: but everything you know and then yeah they go through it all and then it there's no escape from it. They were in fact going to their deaths with that as well. And I let myself buy into it and I wish you know, I mean, yeah, I lo- I love that scene as well too. The ending's a little spotty, but Yeah, the everything after that I think goes down
0: just, I mean, how can you fucking build an end a movie like that anyway after like 11 hours, you it's, know? It's funny, there's, there's an unrelated, um there's a symphony that was written on Lord of the Rings that has the same problem. It's written in five parts. It wasn't for the movie specifically, but they're not sure how to end it. And mm-hmm. it sort of ends exactly the same way the third movie does where they fade out like eight damn times trying to figure out where it goes. It, it goes into this like swell of strings mm-hmm. and then that fades off. And then it does the same swell again. Yeah. And then it fa- and it does it again. It does it five <laughs> times
2: because they just—it's
0: too ultimate. Fi- like the scale that it pulls off is so grand. They didn't want to stop. Yeah. Like it's gotta keep rolling until because any point feels harsh in a story like that. Right.
2: And it's 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 ironic too because in a to a weird extent you know that uh, I just you know when you listen to the uh, World War One stuff that. um uh, Carlin, Carlin does, yeah. Carlin does on World, on World War One. He talks about uh, that uh, that Tolkien, you know, was a part of this as well, and how this perennially affected, uh, you know, so much of it. And you know, it's funny too because there is this kind of element where I think you talked about why American cinema kind of has this uh, this vaunted place in the nineteen seventies. And I think that really where we kind of see this this transition point between these two is in the idea of when someone goes through something what we would consider to be heroic right yeah. these, these these extremely violent acts these these feats of physical and of greatness of of bravery of heroism and then when things are over it's like we return back to normal you know like this is this idea of coming back to the reality of of the world is somehow some sort of an easy process in the 19 movies of the 1970s do not let us get away with that
1: no they I mean, don't they, unlike spring breakers where you know the party does come to an end and you you got to take that bus home sometimes yeah exactly yeah. like you, you it can't go on forever
2: and to me and to <laughs> me you know there is this idea of like when these girls came back that's the movie i wanted to see right i wanted to see the actual you know effect that this had on on a person uh, in general and and you know spring breakers 2
0: was announced i think it is, may have been delayed indefinitely. That sounds like the most appropriate decision about the mo- that sequel I've ever <laughs> I, heard.
1: I hope it continues <laughs> to be delayed indefinitely. Yeah,
0: I think the idea <laughs> of it is better than any execution. <laughs> the Spring Breakers too. Uh, and, uh, just w- one extra, uh, one, yeah, just little, one little sidebar before we lose it. Um, it's funny you mentioned the. Uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, coming back to reality, right. having to come back down in Lord of the Rings. In addition to having this continuous rollover where you can't stop, because going back to real life, you have to change too many gears. Frodo doesn't even make it. Frodo goes off into the distance and becomes a legend at yeah, the end of that. Exactly. Like he can't even he can't be part of real life anymore. No, and, no. That,
1: and that that happens to a certain extent to people too when they go through traumatic stuff, like like the World War One. Like some people don't make it back to reality.
2: No, <laughs> no, and I, I think you know you you can you can definitely tell that 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 some and that's the thing. That's why I didn't really despise modern cinema. That's why I fucking hate the Avengers, is that there is no... Horrible things happen in the Avengers, that movie. I mean, a city's destroyed. I mean, there's there's thousands of people yeah, killed. Yeah, like
1: demons from some other you dimension I mean? come and, just and destroy like, the whole what is the thing, What has the effect right? of this
2: been? Nothing. You know, Not, let's just party up in Tony Stark's office while the end of the movie goes on. We you got know? a like,
1: big flying yeah, ship. whatever. It. Like,
2: yeah, let's have a good time. And You're like, I mean, come on. Like this, like it, it, that movie ends like Spring Breakers. You know, like that's the problem. The stakes are so high
0: in that movie that there's no, there's nowhere to go.
2: And that's bullshit. And it that's, becomes few. That's abdicating your responsibility. I argued because uh, that movie's about the pettiness of personality conflict. Anyway, I mean, let's. But that's <laughs> that's really what about. That's just is about. super heroics yeah. in general. And that's uh, and that's. But once again, where's where's. Where's the lack of depth in American filmmaking? It is that. It yeah. is the idea that that's not mass marketable. And yet that is what, that is abdicating art's responsibility is exactly in dealing with something that that went through with, that could go through with something or how someone would be able to adapt or adjust to that as well. That's, that's the lack of truth that's in cinema uh, in America at the current times. And that's what I think is just a little bit frustrating in general when it, it doesn't even have a point to make about it. I at least the Spring Breakers. There might be an argument that okay, there is perhaps a point to what they've been. Yeah, e- I mean, it w- might not be
1: deep, but there is there is an experience there uh, right. that we are, you know, able to you know delve into for the ninety minutes that it exists, and it's you know it looks beautiful. It's a uh, it's Instagram ready the whole thing, <laughs> you know. We've got. And James it, Franco at his height
2: at his peak
1: yeah, yeah. at his peak
2: but that it, but that I think that method and the point and the and the uh, and the way that it synthesizes its elements is very well done yes. I do think that it is yes. I think it has a point and and, and its elements are, are synthesized well and in that sense while it is encapsulating its you know Instagram culture and it is it revels in it and definitely is a part of it but it is a story told through that mode and through that purpose and that why that is why I think that once again it is both very time-specific, and yet I think will have relevance later on in a digital culture uh, as a commentary on this idea that we are kind of that we've rolled with. And the you know, well, we took a break for the last forty-five minutes talking about it, but I do think it kind of relates to that in general also.
1: Everybody gets excited about the journey. Everyone wants to find themselves. Spring
0: break. Spring break. Spring break forever, yo. Yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed myself. Very good. <sighs> All right. I think that's going to about do it. So, uh,
1: Spring Break, if you haven't seen it.
0: Check it out. Check it out. Big screen as possible. Spring Breakers. Turn
1: turn the sound up.
0: Sit back, enjoy the ride. Yep. It looks very good. Blow your ears out. All right. Tune in next week when... Spring Break forever, y'all. Spring Break, let me hear you. Spring Break. Spring Break spring.